The following is an exclusive presentation of News Radio KMAN, your home for K State Athletics. It's game time. This is the game on News Radio KMAN. Well, knowing that getting the Longhorn Network is such a pain in the butt, I tried really hard to watch the game last night. I tried really hard. I even got access to the Longhorn Network. And for some reason, all I was getting was the NBA All-Star game. I, I don't I tried. I, I jiggled the, 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 the bunny ears and everything. And all I could get was all this scoring and not a whole lot of defense. <laughs> Took you a second. Yeah, yeah. I was just waiting to see where you were going with that. A freak of nature of a game took place down at the new Moody Center. The Cats hand Texas their first loss in the new arena, 116-103. to The Cats have won seven in a row. They end Texas's six-game winning streak. Now the Cats are 13-1 and 2-0 and in the Big 12. And guess who's up next? The Baylor Bears, Jerome Tang's old stomping grounds in Waco against Scott Drew at 5 o'clock on Saturday. Welcome to the game. Mitch Fortner alongside Trey Coverdale and Travion Berkland with us today. I mean, we're going to talk quite a bit about this game, including coming up in hour two. We're going to go over all the records that were broken last night as K-State with their 116, the most points ever scored in a game by the Wildcats in program history. It didn't stop. And they are so consistent as well. How about this? I love this. 58 in the first half, 58 Mm -hmm. in the second half. And then in the second half, Texas, you know, after they score an embarrassing 40 points, just an atrocious amount of points in the first half. They're down 18 at the break. They go on to score 63 in the second half because Marcus Card thought – you know, I'm going to the break with just eight points. That's not enough. And I, plus, I, Tyrese, yeah. Hall, or, uh, uh, Tyrese Hunter was open from three for the whole second half. Carr was going to was bound and determined to get his at that point with just the eight points, but recognizing he had to get his points if they were going to be in that ball game. And how about those old cats at the free throw line? That is one thing I've complained about a little bit. I was like, "What? Geez, Louis, like." Six straight games or seven straight games, they couldn't even hit seventy percent in 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 field goal percentage. I know, like the average in the Big Twelve is like seventy one, seventy two, but I was just like, let's just get a seventy percent finish at the free throw line. Yeah, they finished like ninety four percent last night and went to the trip uh, to the line uh, thirty three times, thirty one mm. of thirty three. And by the way, Marquis Noel was your leading scorer. 36 points, a career high. He was 9 of 15 from the floor, 6 of 10 from three-point range, perfect at the free throw line. And by the way, also had nine assists. If, if he would have picked up that 10 that 10th assist, he would have been the first player in program history to have a 30-point 10-assist game ever. That's how short he was uh, from setting even more history. What a night. absolute crazy night. And um, has there been any night within the last – 12 years that you could think of a team from K-State putting up 116 points. Like, are you talking about talent-wise or just... Talent-wise or just offensive flow? No, because it's never happened before. Well, but I mean, even even to go 100 in a game against Texas 
in a conference game, on the road, no less. Yeah, and I, I think I tweeted this out. I can't remember off the top of my head. I could try to look it up real quick, but I think the previous high against Texas was 84. That's the most K-State had ever scored against Texas. And then they go 116. Nonetheless, on the road, playing in a new building, maybe the floor, that treats their feet way better than the indoor here. And um, the number six team in the country. Mm-hmm. That blew the doors off of Gonzaga earlier this year. Well, coming up here on the show, we are going to hear from new K-State volleyball coach Jason uh, Mansfield, who had his introductory press conference at the Veneer uh, Complex earlier today. Had a few thoughts, had a few uh, answers for the media there. Uh, Part of uh, Deuce Vaughn Appreciation Week, we're going to revisit his Meet the Wildcats coming up later this hour as well. Also going to hear from K-State Athletics Director Gene Taylor, who spoke to us media that were there to uh, witness the introductory press conference for the new K-State volleyball coach, but... It's Wednesday, and you know what that means. AEW Dynamite tonight for the first time from Seattle, Washington, the home of the American Dragon, Brian Danielson. And uh, that's coming up at 7 o'clock tonight on TBS. But of course, uh uh-oh, is everything good? I was just going to, yeah, everything's cool. I was just going to ask, isn't AEW when... um Rick Rubin, or not Rick Rubin, what's his name? Rick Ross, has he been on that recently? Yeah, so yeah. he was on uh, He was on last week and dropped an MF-er. Because <laughs> I was seeing that yeah. blowing up and I was like, what's that all about? I and have it, no idea. And it, oh, did, boy. and it didn't get bleeped out. And old Keith Lee, who's in the ring with him, he's like, he's supposed to be this bad guy. He's got Rick Ross with him. And he turns to the crowd, he just kind of goes that cut it off like this is awkward. Right. Uh, and they let it slide. It's whatever. It's AEW. Don't take ourselves so seriously, <laughs> does AEW. But, we're, of course, we're going to be joined by, and right now we're joined by Derek Young of K-State Online. D.Y., I, you know, I'm not trying to bust your chops or anything, but I did leave New Orleans 18 hours after you did, and I arrived back in Manhattan one hour before you did. Do you want to tell us a story of your nightmare trip back to the Little Apple? Yeah, so it's was it Sunday? My flight left Sunday morning. We got, I got to the airport around eleven to get through security, and the flight's supposed to leave just after one. Uh, we board flight, everything. It's all good and gravy, and uh, we even taxi out to the liftoff point. And all of a sudden, uh, you know, the captain comes on and says, "The I think it's the AC that failed." So uh, we sit there thinking that they're going to fix it. They said, then he says, "We need to go back and get more fuel." So we taxi back. <laughs> to the gate and we were probably stuck in that airplane for about two hours with no air conditioning before they realized that they probably need to get us to deplane while they continue to work on the issue that they insist is fixable well you know, a couple hours later they finally admit okay maybe it's not fixable we're going to get you a new plane but it won't be here until nine o'clock ouch um, and obviously i've been at the airport already since 11 a.m and then uh, the plane did finally arrive. It was at 10 p.m., um, but then the crew wasn't there because they couldn't get through security because TSA had left. Not thinking <laughs> that the flight crew still there was a flight crew left. I, I guess they thought the flight crew would r- remain there, so they had to wait for all that. I think we finally leave close to midnight. We land in Chicago from New Orleans about 2 a.m. So uh, they put us up in a hotel and get us the voucher for taxis and meals and 
and uh, uh, hotel and everything. So uh, then we go stay there uh, in Chicago overnight. I probably got there around 3 a.m. I got to bed around 4. I had to get up at around 9 to, or nine or 10 and take a, a shuttle or an Uber over to the airport. And we finally leave, but not after there was another delay of course. And, and then mid flight, they said, can't land in Manhattan. We might have to land in Omaha. Um, luckily they did finally were able to land in Manhattan and the cloud density on, on Monday almost made it that we had to let land in Omaha and then drive back to Manhattan. I'm glad we did. Man. And it wasn't Southwest. No, it was American. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just, uh, my, my question, the point there, that question is it happens with all airlines hiccups major issues it's just sometimes you run into some bad luck i actually have to laugh because i had show up in my facebook timeline today a memory from 2015 and it's the bus ride back from missoula to Greeley that took 16 hours because we had a flight literally cancel on a sunday morning my only issue traveling to and from new orleans was uh, a flight that was 40 percent full a dad and son who have never flown before decided to sit next to me. Oh, I'm entertaining. Like, we have all these seats open, jabronis. You can sit wherever you want, <laughs> and you got to hog up my little three-seater. Thanks for nothing, guys. All right, D.Y., who made more buckets, Cats in Austin or Kellis Robinette on Bourbon Street? Made more buckets. Uh, the, the Cats in Austin, yeah. They made a lot of buckets. My reference there is Kellis uh, dropping beads into people's cups from yes. the balcony on Bourbon Street, and he was knocking down a couple of them. Yeah, he's he's a sharpshooter for sure. <laughs> well, when you're watching this game, what is what is clocking with you the most? Just, of course, you know what stole the show is K State just scoring a ton of points, or the lack of defense. You know, the defense was not superb, of course, because Texas scored 103 points as well. Both teams got over 100 in regulation, so it wasn't super. Uh, but it, w- it really was the offense. Uh, they shot the lights out. Not all, You mentioned it, 94% from the free throw line. But Kansas State shot over 60% from the field and over 50% from the three-point line. So as a team, they were 60-50-90. That's, that's just <laughs> unheard of in, in this day and age. Uh, sometimes you, you, you wow when a player does it or when a player averages it for a season, but for a team to do it as a, you know, as a collection, as a collective unit in one contest on the road against the top 10 team, that's just, uh, that's rarefied air um, in college basketball. Now I'll point out one more statistic. I was, as I, you know, in the second half, I hardly watched any of the games. I'm trying to track all these, uh, all these potential record breaking uh, situations. And it was at one point I was tracking seven at a time. Uh, but there was one where, so K-State shot in the first half 61.7%. In the second half, they shot 57.7%. If they would have shot 60% or better in the second half, that would have been the, only the second time since I've been alive, which is over 32 years, that K-State finished each half by shooting at least 60%. That is kind of, that, that's another example of just what kind of a, a rare freak of nature performance this was for the uh, the K State offense. If only it was could be consistent like this. This would be the absolute most fun team to watch in basketball this year. But I want to ask. So Marquise Noel obviously was killing it with thirty six points and nine assists. Keontae Johnson with twenty eight. But I I guess I kind of want to ask like who did impress you 
the most. And you could take it just from the the best performance of the night or who really just kind of jumped out of their comfort zone and made things happen themselves. Yeah, I mean, that's a good question. Obviously, it's Marquise Noel, you know, missed the first 30, 10, 30 point, 10 assist game in, in school history. That one jumps off the page. I think he, he is like the second highest. If the season end, ended today, it would be the second second highest offensive rating in Kansas State history for a season. Um, he's going to shatter the single, single season assist record at Kansas State at his current pace, which is pretty torrid at the moment. So he's just uh, he's a sensational player right now. And he probably takes the cake for me at number one. Keontae Johnson is up there as well, uh, probably number two. Those two kind of stole the show. For Keontae, just he's so smooth and it looks so effortless sometimes. So uh, it's quite stunning. And sometimes it doesn't stand out just for that reason. Nothing against him. It's just he's that impressive and it comes that easy for him, I believe. Um, in general, though, like a guy that really stood out for me, um, this is probably a little bit off the radar because he wasn't, he was the third best player, but not one of the top two. It was Cam Carter. Mm-hmm. Um, his shots were just timely. He scored 17 points, I think, I want to say, on like eight or nine Correct. shots. He's the team's best on-ball defender, even though there wasn't a whole lot of defense um, that was incredible or anything of that nature. Uh, so, yeah, he comes to mind. It's Cam Carter. Um, and, yeah, the, I guess, volume probably wasn't as much as Noel or as much as Keontae, but I just thought in terms of significance, you know, impact, timeliness, uh, his his are right up there with anyone. Now, I, I would assume, you, I mean, you would think Marquise Noel, best point guard in the Big 12? I mean, Tyrese Hunter for Texas is pretty good. He had 29 last night. He's all right. I think he's got to be up there. Tyrese Hunter, um, I think they're both better than Dejuan Harris of Kansas. Mm-hmm. So those two, Mikey Miles at TCU, those are probably the three I would go with. Noel's, no, Noel's, Noel, Hunter, and, and Mikey Miles. It's probably a 1A, 1B, 1C kind of situation. At the moment, I think Noel probably has the better statistics, but I just wouldn't sleep too much on Tyrese Hunter. I mean, he scored 29 on Kansas State last night. It was pretty quietly done. Well, okay, so I, I, I really went into some deep thought about Marquise Noel earlier today, and I, I think I had talked myself into this, and this is without like doing a, a deep look into like where he measures up to others in his position, others in the Big 12, statistically, even though I think we already know that, I mean, he leads the Big 12 in assists, he's the best in assist-to-turnover ratio. I mean, do you think there's an argument out there or some, you would listen to an argument about Marquise Noel being the best player in the Big 12? I mean, his his efficiency numbers, his offensive rating, uh, just what he does on the basketball team, I think there it's an argument. Um, I think he, he and Keontae, at least statistically right now, are two of the top five, top six players. They're, it's like a five or a six-player race right now, and I think he and Keontae are both in it. Okay. I mean, if you value just points and rebounds, that's all you need to see uh, for player or, you know, best player in the Big 12, you know, Marquise Noel's not going to get that award. It's probably going to go to somebody from KU, you know? Um, J- uh, J- Jalen Wilson, yeah. he has a – he has a lot of those, um, what you're referring to. He kind of takes takes the cake in, in that capacity, I would say. But, uh, and yeah, uh, Jalen Wilson comes to mind. Uh, Grady Dick, I think he's going to be there at the end. 
Uh, but, you know, you can't sleep on Marquise Noel or Keontae Johnson right now. I mean, Marquise Noel, he, he's, he's the best player in the Big 12, assists, assists to turnovers. Uh, I, I would imagine he's got to be one of the best, if not the best, in stealing the basketball, forcing turnovers. And he also averages 16 points a game. I mean, that's not the best score in the Big 12, but it's ve- it's a very respectable line. I don't. Know, I, I think I'm going to do a more of a closer look into that. I might bring an argument to the table tomorrow about Marquise Noel being the best player in the Big 12, or at least uh, in the uh, no doubt about it, in the conversation for best player in the Big 12. All right, Dy, let's take a break, and when we come back, let's talk football because Dy and I actually have to uh, settle a score when it comes to PowerCat Game Day. It's coming up next. It's the game on KMAN. Mitch Fortner, Troy Coverdale, Travion Berklin, and Derek Young from KSN Online joins us. A couple of things before we continue on with DY. K-State Football just tweeted out a video. It's the story of 2022. It's a three-minute video. It's, it's of course, from K-State. It's uh, excellent, excellent work there from the video staff of, uh, of Kansas State Athletics putting that together. At K-State FB is where you can find the K-State Football Twitter account. Also, Dream Dowling continues to be the uh, leader in the clubhouse when it comes to the raw audio. Just capturing the moment as uh, he and the team, after beating Texas, went out to Voodoo Donuts and celebrated with uh, with some donuts, some tasty uh, tasty pastries. Uh, and um, shout out to Clay Center, Tasty Pastry. <laughs> and um, also, I saw that they uh, did a little bowling, a little laser tag earlier today as they had a day off. They're staying actually down in Texas because they play at Baylor. It's a, you know, it's a two-hour drive from Austin to Waco. The the coach doing omelets uh, is a heck oh, of yeah. a example of service leadership. Well, and of course, Dream Dowling, when he tweets out the picture of it, he's busting coach's chops. He's like, if you want some uh, uh, coach uh, dialing up some burnt eggs and I uh, hope there's a bathroom <laughs> around. And I love the ribbon. I love the ribbon. Coach Dream Dowling seems like a cool guy to hang around with. We're back with Derek Young from K-State Online. DY, I think I've asked you this before, but how do you like your eggs? Scrambled. You ask Lindsay. I make the best eggs. I. Uh, it's all about removing from the heat once in a while. Put mm-hmm. a little milk in there, and also I. Uh, I top it off with a little Cajun seasoning. Not just because I just went to New Orleans. It's been a thing for a long time. Lindsay is a big fan of that. All right, Dy. We need to settle something from PowerCat Game Day. I'm, I'm sure you know where I'm going with this. So entering the final PowerCat Game Day for the Sugar Bowl, you had a one game lead over me for the pick six pickums. We made our final six picks and it turns out we tied. I went five and one, mm-hmm. you you went four and two. Where where the mistake was made, DY, is you decided to go with Georgia and I went with Ohio State. So, yeah, because we did the spreads. I had the right. winner, but no, yeah, that's rough. <laughs> yeah, I think at the time it was uh it was Georgia six and a half. And I took the Ohio State. So here's yeah. how we're, we're gonna we're gonna settle this right now. We're gonna settle it. Well, I mean, we're, we're gonna settle it with the national championship. All right. Okay. And since you're the road team, I will let you pick, and I'll and I'll set it up here for you. All right. So the national championship game, number three TCU, number one Georgia, six thirty ESPN Monday, and Dy, the Bulldogs favored by twelve and a half. Uh, give me the dogs. 
I, I just, uh, I'd like to think that TCU keeps this moderately close, but I'm not really confident that they do. All right, I'm glad you picked Georgia because I would have picked TCU. So there we go. We, we both get our pick. We are now set for the tiebreaker for the college or uh, PowerCat game day. Pick six pick'ems for the year 2022. Best of luck to the teams in the natty. All right, uh, D.Y., since you're the Ohio State fan, the fighting Derek Youngs, i got to ask that you're watching the game, not on Bourbon Street, but a couple of blocks away, and the field goal goes wide left. How did you handle that into the game? Uh, that was a it was heartbreaking. I was I melted down for a good five minutes, uh, but but like a mature adult, I realized there are bigger things in life and continued on with my night and still had a good time. All right, let's talk. Uh, let's talk KC football because Deuce Vaughn he is moving on. Uh, he he has announced that a couple of days ago he is going to forego his final two years of eligibility, enter his name in the NFL draft. I would imagine this didn't come as the biggest surprise to you, but going further now with K-State at running back position, transfer portal I'm sure comes into play here. Do you have a list of guys that K-State should be going after to fill a void at the running back position with you know pretty much being a tag team with DJ Giddens at least right away? Yeah, I, th- I think they're certainly going to la- uh, look to land a transfer running back from, from the portal and just a I guess a few names that I would toss out there as guys that are uh, considerable options at this point for him is a, I think his name is pronounced Isaiah Ifonse. He's the all-time leading rusher at Montana State. Mm-hmm. I think that's I think that's one route that is being considered. Uh, additionally, the running backs that have left uh, the Florida program, it's Naquan Wright, who was the starter at Florida to begin the year, but was kind of. I guess leapfrogged in the pecking order, and, and the Gators ended up with you know almost two 1,000 yard rushers. One of them being Travis Etienne's little brother, Trevor Etienne. So uh, Naquan Wright, I think, could be an option. And the same for Florida State, uh, Trayshawn Ward, that just entered the transfer portal. He had a pretty good year with the Seminoles. He's a former walk-on himself, and I think that's uh, maybe an avenue that that Kansas State looks at as well. They're going to, you know be up against you know some quality programs and, and trying to attract all three of those guys to Manhattan, though. We'll jump back to the portal here in just a moment, but I've kind of deemed this week kind of a you know off-and-on celebration of the career of Deuce Vaughn, and with all the praising and uh, all the nice things you want to say about Deuce Vaughn, I mean, that's all been, been taking place over the last three years. We don't need to repeat all that. I think we know where that all stands, but I'd love to know. I, I kind of want to ask everybody this question – because you know, I would assume most would have different answers. Do you have a favorite Deuce Vaughn play that stands out to you the most? Oh man, that, that could be anything. You know, oof, there's a lot that they're just coming to my mind. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to say just one. It's really hard to pin it down for me. Uh, the you know the Alabama one that's certainly up there now. Mm-hmm. Uh, the eighty-eight yard touchdown running against Alabama, the uh, the the uh, TCU run as well. Um, when he when he makes the guy miss in the open field and really breaks his ankles, that's the one I probably pick actually, uh, because I think that's the epitome of Deuce Vaughn's college career. Not only was it the Big Twelve Championship, which is kind of the pinnacle of accomplishments for him, um, but him literally making a, you know, a play in the open field and the guy literally falling down and having his ankle broke. I think that's what you think of when you think of Deuce Vaughn. 
just what his ability was in the open field. What about him juking Gavin Potter? I mean, that's. I mean, you could you could juke Gavin Potter. I think, Mitch. <laughs> the so the the level of difficulty comes into play and yeah. probably smokes that one down a little bit. I mean, there, there's a reason why he's not playing college football anymore. I mean, you know. That was in the Big 12 champion against TCU, of course, where you know, set a TCU a defender on his butt. Was the Big 12 championship game put the Cats up two scores? Was a pretty big score, no doubt about it at the time. Uh, all right, so I did want to jump back, and this will be your last question, DY. Is I want to go back to the portal. Um, this is according to whispers, as you said in an article, a case state online. But there is potential that other than Felix and DK Uzama, there could be a Wildcat that does end up leaving early as well. Yeah, it, it's just, uh, you know, one of those situations where I think everyone's trying to kind of see where they're at uh, in terms of things, and, and and we'll probably leave it at that at this point, but I think there's a few players probably, just considering all their options, that they're, you know, for some it's the transfer portal between now and I think the window ends at January 18th, and for some it's uh, the NFL entry uh, date, which I believe is January 16th, if I remember correctly on that. So, uh, we'll find out a lot of, I think, you know, cl- we'll get clarity and we'll get certainty on, uh, you know, a handful of situations in the next two weeks. And, and th- that'll be good for the coaching staff too, because they'll know where to look, when to look and, and who to look at, because it's, it's roster management. one of the hardest things to do anymore with college football because of the transfer portal and, and everything. And you're trying to maintain a, you know, a deep enough roster, but you have to have your finger on the pulse and know who's going to leave and probably ahead of time. So you can start ahead of time searching for alternative options. It's, it's not easy to do. There's a, there's a lot of balancing goes on. It's really difficult. All right, Derek Young from K State Online. That's all I got for you this week. Really appreciate it. We'll uh, hope to talk to you next week. We'll settle who wins pick six. All right. See you then. Derek Young from K-State Online here on The Game. When we come back, let's hear some highlights from today's introductory press conference from new K-State volleyball coach Jason Mansfield after these words. Without further ado, I can't tell you how excited we are to have Jason here and for me to introduce you to our new head volleyball coach, Jason Mansfield. That was earlier today at the Veneer Football Complex. Jason Mansfield, the ninth head coach in K-State volleyball history after 22 seasons of Susie Fritz. And of course, a new volleyball arena will be opening up this summer. He comes just in time for the new facility. And, of course, there are work to do. But this guy is very confident. We're going to hear some highlights of his here in just a moment. But, you know, he I mentioned this last week when it was announced – not last week, but the week before when it was announced that he would be the next head coach of K-State Volleyball. He gives me that Coach Tang feel because, you know, Coach Tang was an assistant at Baylor for almost two decades before he decides to take his – First crack at being a head coach at the Division One level, and God, look how it's worked out so far. Thirteen and one, just put up 116 points against Texas. Feels like a pretty dang good hire. And I think Gene Taylor has found himself a nice little pattern here because even Gene mentioned this in a breakout portion that it's not the first time he's had this pattern of hiring longtime assistants to become first-time head coaches because that's what he did all the time at North Dakota State, including with a couple of head coaches. 
and they won national championships, multiple mm. national championships. But Mansfield, he has been at the Division One level. He spent, what, 14 years at Stanford, went to the NCAA tournament every year, won a national championship. He had a couple of years at Illinois where he coached a number of All-Americans, even coached one future uh, Olympian, and then uh, went to Washington and was there for five years and was extremely successful there as well. This was a question that was brought up to Jerome Tang, and it was also even talked about during his introductory press conference. Same goes to Mansfield. Yo, why now become a head coach and YK State? Probably for the last 10 years, I've, I've pursued being a head coach. And I feel like uh, I was a finalist for, you know, a couple other positions. And, um, yeah, it didn't work out for one reason or another. But to be honest, Gene is the first person to offer me a head coaching position, you know. And so I don't take that lightly. And I think everything happens for a reason. And, and I'm really happy, you know, to be here. But his belief in me is big time. And I'm not going to let him down. So his story is just a little bit different there that specifically than Jerome Tang. Yeah, Mansfield has been trying to become a head coach. He's been trying to the last 10 years. He feels like he's ready to go. He's been a finalist for a couple of nice jobs, but he just wasn't chosen to be the next head coach. And I don't know what these jobs were, who was picked over him, but what he has said is is K-State and, and Gene Taylor, they're the ones that are giving him a shot. They believe that this is the next head coach to get K-State Volleyball back to the NCAA tournament and be there on a on a year-by-year basis. Every single year, that's the goal, making the NCAA tournament. 20 years of as an assistant coach, that's prepared him for this moment. The amount of growth I had during that time was, was phenomenal. The last five seasons, it's the best staff I've ever been a part of. Grew together, and, and uh, I think it helped me prepare for this situation and what kind of staff I want, what kind of culture I want. So, yeah, I feel like uh, I'm the most prepared I've ever been. And he's ready to build up this program once again. I'm very excited to be here. I came here to build a program that lasts, a program with high character, great connection to each other in the community, and lastly, a passion to compete. Now, you know, what I understand when it comes to just how – the volleyball recruiting works and the window to sign players. I, I think there's like one big window when you can sign players, and I think it's actually open right now. But he did talk about the type of players that he does want to recruit. I want people that are passionate about the game, passionate about learning and growing. Yeah, I think that's that's the biggest piece, you know. Um, I have a passion for the game and, and obviously wanting to, to learn and grow myself. And I think those are the best the best players to recruit, you know, players that that, uh, that love the game and that are unselfish and uh, have high character as well. So with the transfer portal being what it is now, it doesn't just affect football and, and basketball. It affects all the sports. Volleyball just as much. For some. For, for others, not as much. You know, the goal for the transfer portal, you want it to work in your favor. You don't want it to work, it, work against you, especially for a long period of time. The transfer portal hasn't been a thing for a long time, but it was in a breakout session. I didn't pull this audio here, but I, I'll repeat what he said because I, I asked him, you know, you've, you've been to a lot of great places. You've been very successful, but the transfer portal is at sometimes a thorn in your side when it comes to recruiting, and sometimes it just takes away players you want to keep around. So I asked him, have you experienced a lot of drama, a lot of bad drama with uh, – with the transfer portal, and he told me, 
since the transfer portal has been a thing during his time at Washington, his staff has never lost a player to the transfer portal. And he had mentioned that his one of his major goals is building that relationship. And this goes back to the tie I, I remember hearing about with Jerome Tang. Building those relationships. Building that trust. That way they trust you. That way you don't have to be dealing so much year in and year out with players leaving the transfer portal because they're not happy. Mm-hmm. You, you want to make these players happy. And so far in his career as an assistant of dealing with that, really hasn't had to deal with it because his players have been happy. His players have wanted to stick around, play for his team that he is coaching on, even though he's not the head coach. Assistants are, are, are a huge part of that as well. So hearing that, I, I, I loved hearing that. And going back to what I said a couple of weeks ago, his resume tells us that he is ready to be a head coach. He just needed the right opportunity, the right athletic director to give him a chance. And I just get this vibe like, all right, we got a new guy, head, uh, an assistant coach for such a long time, very successful, and guys, just wait for this volleyball season to come. Because when they go down to Texas, they're going to win 116-103. to 103. <laughs> <laughs> and we're going to think, all right, Gene made another home run hire. I think it's interesting that it comes at a time where this program is going to get an injection of excitement over a new building. But I think in the same breath, he brings in an injection of excitement just because it's a fresh face and, and just a, a new start for the program. You know, I, Susie Fritz, as head coach, had accomplished so many things. But I think the last two years were pretty evident that the program had gotten a bit stale, that things weren't working. And this year, the number of times that they would bolt out to a 2 nothing lead and then get swept the rest of the night. Uh, go go figure. How, do, how does that happen more than once or twice a season to you if you're a NCAA volleyball caliber team, tournament caliber team. I, I don't I don't see that you can allow that to happen that many times and, and thus K State was put behind the eight ball in that aspect. Yeah, just after the uh the NCAA tournament that K State hosted and yeah. went to the round of thirty two and lost in the final set to Ohio State, having to be the first weekend ever called games on TV. That was a lot of fun. Uh yeah, just hadn't been that kind of caliber of competition. Mm-hmm. Since they did make it back to the NCAA tournament, but lost in the first round up north in Nebraska. Yeah, it just hadn't been the same. But I mean, I, I still, I still like you know, Coach Fritz is a good coach. Yes, absolutely. And she's going to land on her feet. I if she if she chooses to do so, coach somewhere else, assistant or head coach, she's going to find a place, and somebody's going to hire her. In in many ways, it's the same as we're witnessing in college football, where some of the coaches that have been around for a long ten years are finding that maybe the adjustment isn't working anymore and that it's time to move on remember the days in the nfl marty schottenheimer said if you worked a decade in a in a job the guy stopped listening to you and in many ways he was right at that level well is that kind of where college programs get as well it's an interesting thought when we come back another tip of the cap to deuce vaughn when we come back let's revisit his meet the wildcats from earlier this year here on the game
Hashtag my boy. Deuce Vaughn, in his three-year career with the Wildcats, when he played in 37 games, here's your trivia question. How many yards did he average per reception in his Wildcat career? He had 116 of them. Did you know that? 116 mm-hmm. catches? Mm-hmm. He was over 2,800 yards. But how many yards per reception for hashtag my boy Deuce Vaughn? 11 on the dot. Not too bad. Nope. That's all right. That works. That's all right. It'll work. It's not bad. 43 touchdowns, by the way, in his career for hashtag my boy Deuce Vaughn. He announced a few days ago, even though I saw it coming, I was shocked. I was like, <gasps> no. No, I'm, we're, we're so happy for him. It was his time to go. Three years of excellent running backing. For the Kansas State Wildcats. Another tip of the cap for Deuce Vaughn. Let us replay right now from week four of the college football season from Powercat Game Day when I talked to Deuce Vaughn for the weekly edition of Meet the Wildcats. Let's start out with your favorite athlete growing up. Barry Sanders, without a doubt. Do you have a dating red flag? I got to check out the social media. If the social media has some red flags, then that, that, that's going to be something I take into account. Yeah. Is there anything you're afraid of? Uh, I'm afraid of the ocean. Can't stand the ocean. Can't see anything below me. Uh, I'm a great swimmer, but, I mean, just too immense for me. It's just way too immense. Is there a worry about maybe you just get swept off to sea and you won't come back? It's more of the things that are in the sea. We only know 5% of everything that's in there. It unsettles me. Favorite sports movie? Remembering the Titans. I don't know if you have much time to cook, but uh, if you were wanting to impress somebody with your best dish, what would that be? I'm going to bring out some salmon. That's one thing my mom always cooked, and she taught me how to, so I'm going to bring out the salmon. Meet the Wildcats with Deuce Vaughn. All right, everybody's a gamer these days, right? So what game are you the best at on this team? Madden or 2K. Do you have a rival on this team? I do, actually. TJ Smith, uh, he's my roommate. We play 2K anytime we get to, and we, we split the series. You know, I got a couple I got a couple up on them. No, I'm not going to lie to you. All right, I'm between TV shows. I need a new show to watch, binge watch. What do you got for me? The Ozarks. By far, probably my favorite in the past year that I've watched. Do you have a go-to karaoke song? Probably like Call Me Maybe by Carly Rae Jemison. Easy to remember. I mean, I listen to it growing up all the time, so I can definitely, get, I can definitely bang it out. Growing up, when did you know from your parents that you might be in a little bit of trouble? My first time that I got into a little bit of trouble was actually playing my first football game. Uh, I played flag football, and uh, we lost the game, and I didn't want to shake the other team's hand. Uh, you, you get in line to go in through. My mom snatched me up real quick, and she was like, your attitude will never be like that ever again, or you won't play football or any sport ever again. And let's say I, we never had any type of hesitation with me being uh, a sportsman-like player at all. All right, last one. Super Bowl champion this year. Who are you going to go with? I'm a Cowboys fan, but uh, I'm going to go against my uh, my own wishes. Let's see, who looked really good? I got to go with the Chiefs. I have to. They look, they look way too good. Patrick Mahomes looked like a superstar that he is, so I got to go with the Chiefs. Yeah, I think that's a safe pick. Deuce Vaughn, thank you. Thank you. Oh, Deuce, I'm telling you, the Cowboys, it's their year. Chiefs can take a hike. Uh, by the way, uh, part of the transporter we don't think about is when uh, they have the transfer out of the house they live in with other teammates. They're like, hey. I'm entering the uh, renting transfer portal. <laughs> Let me know when you guys move out so I can get my fourth of the deposit back. All right, hour two of the game where it's a uh, record-breaking day yesterday for the Cats in Austin. More next.